0: Are you ready for God's Word? Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, I am so glad to see your enthusiasm, your excitement, because we should be excited about God's Word. God's Word has the power to change our lives, the power to change our lives. And so today, as we conclude winning together, I'm going to give you the key, the key to making your marriage a success, I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, if there was one thing I could finish on, I know it hasn't been a very long series, so I need to hit them with something, something just the best thing, if I could just, if I could just land on one point, have it be a point that would change everything in their life, particularly in their marriage, what would it be? I think he went a step further and he said, this isn't just for married folks, this is for anyone, the key to living life in a, in a victorious manner. After all, we're talking about winning. Who likes to win? Anyone like to win? Or is there anyone here who goes, I like to lose? I, I really, really enjoy that. Um, I prefer it, in fact. You know, and so I think we all like to win because we were we were created to be drawn towards greatness, to be drawn towards God. Amen. And so If you want to win and live victoriously, this sermon's for you. This message is for you. And I want to start off with a bang. And I got to let you know, this is not like the other three messages or the other two messages. We've had some fun. We had a good time. We laughed. We might laugh some today. Depends how uh, sore your toes are in a second. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to, I'm not throwing stones. I'm not going to do any of that. But I am going to tell you, this is a hard-hitting message. I'm going to cover a lot of scripture, and we're going to get down to the, to the foundation of what it is to have winning relationships. So I'm going to get to God's word, amen? Are you with, are you with me? If you're with me, open up your Bibles, get ready, take some pa- uh, pen and paper out, get ready to take some notes. If you have a cell phone, you want to take some notes on your cell phone, take some notes, because this is important. I want to start off with Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. The Bible says, For this reason, this is Jesus talking, and Jesus said, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but they are one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Did you get that? Did you really understand that? This is Jesus quoting the Old Testament in Genesis when he and the triune God created man and woman. And God prescribed, that marriage should be between a man and a woman. But not just between a man and a woman. A man and a woman and their God. Because after all, marriage is his idea. He instituted it. He created it. He came up with it. And so if you want to change it, you got to go do your own thing, but don't call it marriage. Because marriage is God's creation, His idea, His institution, His prescription. Amen? So it's not between a man and a man, or a woman and a woman, or any of that. It's between a man and a woman. Under the blessing of their God. You say, but Pastor, love is love. No, not love. Love is not love. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. It's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians. So you can't just say love is love. Some love is not good for us. You go, what? I thought love was, was always good. No, the love of money is the root of. Ah, you see? Know your Bible. Know your Bible. And so there's some loves that are out of bounds. And if you want your marriage out of bounds, it's not a marriage, it's something else. But if it's in bounds, then it's before God, under his protection, by his blessing. Amen? Amen. Okay, I lost half of you. I know this isn't popular in today's culture, but I'm not here for popularity. I'm here for God's truth. And it's right here. It's right here. Amen? Amen. So, This is super, super important because what I'm describing is this holy triangle here, this holy trinity, so to speak, where you have God hovering over the union of you and your spouse, or you and your future spouse. Think about this with me for a second. Now, watch what's so significant about this triangle, that the closer you get to God, the closer you get to one another. That's so important because, after all, marriage is all about closeness and drawing close to one another. And the key to drawing close to one another is God, is God. And so he covers over us. Now, now I want you to, to consider something. Now, to have a relationship with God, what's necessary? In one word, the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit. And we're going to unpack that. And I want to share this with you, that the Holy Spirit is is the agent that brings us into relationship with God. And so it's the Holy Spirit that unites the church, that was given to the church to birth the church, and it's the Holy Spirit that marks the church, seals the church. The power of the Holy Spirit will resurrect the church and bring the church into the presence of their bridegroom, Jesus Christ. So it's the Holy Spirit that unites our marriage with Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that unites your marriage with your spouse. Did you know that? So you say, oh, pastor, I get it. The key that you're going to share with us today is the Holy Spirit. Bingo, you got it. The power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God. And if you're with me, I want to remind you of something. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is represented by symbolism, okay? Symbolism. And the symbolism that's used most often is the anointing of oil. Oil represents the Spirit of the living God. I, rem- I want to remind you of the psalmist that said, as the oil that anointed Aaron. Who was Aaron? Aaron was the first high priest of Israel appointed by God. He was to be an intermediary between God and the people. And so this anointing oil, the psalmist says, flows down the head of Aaron onto his beard and onto his robe, and it signifies holy unity of the nation. Holy unity, but not just unity, communion with God. And so you have this idea of anointing that has to do with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to to remind you of something. Do you remember when David was anointed as king? When David was anointed as king, the Bible says that he received the Holy Spirit because God was trying to connect for us. Just like we I anoint with oil, someday I will anoint you with the Spirit of the Living God. Because the oil represents the Spirit of the living God. Read with me in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, who is him? David, in the midst of his brothers. So as all his older brothers, taller, bigger, stronger than him, were standing there, David's the last one. They had to send for him in the field. They brought him in. He smells like sheep. He's got this heart strapped on his back, right? He's probably been singing most of the night. He's there. He's all like messed up in his hair and the, 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 the prophet brings the oil horn over him. And how did it begin to flow? Was, it was stopped with wax and when the heat of the Spirit of God would release that oil, it would fall onto the anointed one and David was the anointed one, chosen by God. The, the wax melted, the oil flowed and all of a sudden, David was anointed with oil. No, read it closer. And from that day forward, the Spirit of the Lord fell on David. Do you know what happens the very next chapter? Just right after that, he's faced with Goliath. Do you think David could have defeated Goliath in his own strength? Not a chance. Not a chance. This is why David when Goliath begins to curse him, says, I don't come to you with my sling or with physical weapons. I come to you by the power of the name and the spirit of God. Amen? Amen. And I come to you anointed. That's what we're called to do. Now, now, I want you to consider this with me for a second, because in the Old Testament, you have, you have ceremony and you have ritual. And the ceremony and the ritual of anointing someone with oil represented what? I just said it, represented the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Who were anointed with oil? Watch. I'm going to share with you who was anointed with oil in the Old Testament. Typically, you'd see what? Prophets, priests, and kings. Prophets, priests, and kings that would go through this ceremonial ritual acts of which some were anointed with oil. Now watch. Who was the ultimate prophet, priest, and king? Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. Watch this. A prophet proclaims the truth. Who came proclaiming the ultimate truth? Who's the one that said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said that. Jesus did. So he's the ultimate prophet from the Lord, messenger of hope and love. The, 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 he came in the flesh. Now, how was he the ultimate priest? He was the ultimate priest because, listen to me very, very closely, because the priest is an intermediary. It's a go, he's a go-between. He introduces us to God. How did Jesus introduce us to God? Well, he says, I am your intermediary. I am forever interceding at the right hand of the Father between you And God, amen? And he's the king of kings, the Bible says. The Bible also says that God anointed him, how? With oil? Well, you could say that. Read it with me. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And isn't that what Jesus tells us? Right before he goes to the Father, he says, I'm going to send you a helper. And then he breathes on them. And as he breathes on them, he says, wait for the spirit of the living God. And when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power. Power to what? Power to change. Power to be who I've called you to be, he says. So I want you to think about this. I'm going to give you a, a quick little history of what we're talking about here. When God first created man, he did what? He fashioned him, and then he brought him up to his, to his lips, and he breathed into him, breathed into him. I don't know if it was his lips, but that's how I envision it, right? He brought him and he breathed into him, the Bible says. The Bible says. Now, what did he breathe into him? He breathed into him the spirit of life. He didn't just breathe oxygen. He breathed in the spirit of life. Now, what happened in the garden that disrupted this beautiful relationship that took place between man, the spirit of God, and God? Sin took place. And when sin came into the garden, there was a separation, an interruption. There was a brokenness in covenant. And all of a sudden, that spirit of life was no longer there. There was a separation between us and God. From that moment, we began to die. How? Physically and we died spiritually. We died spiritually. What happened after that? God begins to reach out to man, now listen to me very closely, he reaches out and he says, I want you, Moses, to build me a tabernacle, Solomon, I want you to build me a temple, and in this temple, it would house, It will house my very presence, because this is what God said, I want to dwell among my people, it was always his intention to dwell in us and with us, But sin separated that, so then they build this tabernacle, they build this temple, and they have different places, and there's a place called the Holy of Holies. And in that Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant is held, and it is to enthrone the very presence of God. When they dedicated the the tabernacle, when they dedicated the temple, and they asked God to fill it, he showed up in a pillar of fire, and it was awesome. It was awesome. Now watch, there was a veil separating us from the Holy of Holies. That veil was there because of sin. I'm not saying the veil was sin, but we are separated because of sin. And that veil is to remind us you can't just walk into God's presence. In fact, the priest, the high priest could only come by, by order of the Lord once a year. And if he didn't come in the prescribed way, he would drop dead on the spot. And so they got smart and they tied a rope around his ankle because if he didn't come right, come on, if you don't come correct before the Lord and you drop dead, who wants to go in after him? Anyone? Can I get a volunteer? Someone step forward for tribute, right? What do they call that? Who wants to go for it? No, so you just take the rope and you you pull him out. Because this was a serious thing. Now, what happened when Jesus Christ came? Watch what God says in the Old Testament. I will dwell among my people. Yet Jesus comes and God says, I want you to call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. He says, I'm going to not dwell in a temple of bricks and mortar in a tabernacle of skins and tarp. I'm going to dwell in my son in your presence as he walks and moves and shows you the power of the living God. That's an amazing thing. So watch this. He dies on the cross. And at that moment, the veil in in the temple was ripped. But it wasn't ripped this way. It was ripped top down. God was saying, there's no more separation. My son has bridged the gap. And so if you have relationship through my son, you can have relationship with me. And this is why the Bible says in the, in the book of Hebrews that everything in the Old Testament was a type and a shadow pointing to the New Testament. And this is why the Bible says through faith in Jesus, you can step in Boldly to the holiest of holiest and get an audience with God. How? Through prayer. Through prayer, you can in the why do we pray in Jesus' name? Well, that's a big deal. Because there is no other name. There is no other name. Oh, some of us are like, man, I didn't know this could bless my marriage. Oh yeah. It'll it'll set your life on fire. But I want to go a step further, because the Bible says not only did Jesus represent the presence of God, but he would send his Holy Spirit after Jesus ascended into heaven, and he would form the church. And that Holy Spirit would reside in each and every one of us. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says, your body is the temple. Of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. He lives in you. How does he live in you? When you confess Jesus as your Lord and you believe it in your heart, you receive the salvation through the Spirit of God. This is why the Bible says the same Spirit and power that raised Christ from the dead now abides in you and will raise you from the dead. You go, Pastor, what if I don't die? Then he will rapture you to meet him in the air. Amen? Amen. He will rapture you to meet him in the air. This is, what the Christ, this is what Christianity is all about. And so now I want to share with you something very, 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 very important, okay? And it has to do with the 12, I mean, excuse me, the 10 virgins. Anyone ever heard the parable of the 10 virgins? It's found in Matthew 25. Write that down. Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25 is a very significant chapter because it is a chapter on end times and the return of Christ. How do we know this? Because in chapter 24, the Bible tells us that Jesus' disciples come to him. Some of his disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, Master, teach us about the end, about your return. And as they As he starts to teach them, he tells them there's going to be pestilence. That's worldwide disease. Has there been a worldwide pandemic lately? I don't know. Maybe you've heard of it. There will be what? Natural disasters. There will be all sorts of challenges and wars and rumors of wars that this earth will face. And that is going to be a precursor or like a woman experiences contractions. That is what you can can notice will be a birth pain, a contraction indicating my return is soon. So I ask you, might he return soon? Okay, watch. Then he goes into chapter 25. Chapter 25, he's illustrating in a story, in a parable form, what he just talked about in 24. So in 25, he's illustrating it in story form. And he says this, there were 10 virgins. Read it with me. The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took the lamps and took no oil with them. But the ones that were wise took their lamps and a vessel containing oil. And even though the bridegroom had delayed, what does it mean? It didn't come at the time they expected how did Jesus say he would come? Like a thief in the night. He said in the twinkling of an eye, in a microsecond. They've measured it and they've said it's, it's, it's so fast you don't have time to do anything. That means by the time it happens you had to have been ready. You can't get ready. I know some pastors say get ready. No, no, be ready, amen? Be ready, because Jesus is coming. You say, well, what does this have to do with my marriage? Because this is what I'm telling you. As you get closer to God, as you get ready to meet him, as you get fired up about about the things of the Lord and get anointed by the Holy Spirit, he helps you with your your spouse. How does he help you with your spouse? I can remember being a young man and not understanding Melissa at all. I can also remember uh, thinking that I knew everything there was to know about her until I got married. And once I got married, it's like, I'm like, who are you? And why don't you think at all like me? (laughs) If I said right, she went left, right? And it's the same way. She goes, well, you don't think anything like me. And I can remember hearing this funny little joke that really impacted me. It was about a man who uh, was married and was very, very, uh, very, very faithful to the Lord. And so the Lord came to him in a dream and said, I want to, I want to do something for you because you've been such a faithful servant. And he said to the Lord, "Lord, I know exactly what I want. See, I love as I've gotten older to um to ride motorcycles and I've always wanted to ride my motorcycle to Hawaii, but obviously I cannot. So if you could make me a highway from here the mainland all the way to Hawaii, I would love it and enjoy it." And the Lord came back at him and said, "We are in a down economy. And the price of concrete and steel has gone up and labor has gone up. That's going to be exorbitant. Can I do something else for you? He thought about it for a minute and then he he said, I got it. I'd love for you to help me understand my wife. The Lord quickly came back. How do you want the highway? One lane or two. Now, of course, you laugh because it's like not even God can understand women, but the truth is God can. He created them. He knows your wife, and he can give you the understanding, but he's the only one. He's the only one. It's not a book. It's not something else. It's this word and his spirit moving in you to help you understand this beautiful, complex individual. And you say, wow, if she's so complex, then why can't she understand me? Because you're too simple, sir. And the truth is, ladies, you need God's help. You need God's help to understand your simple guy. That really does mean what he says. <laughs> I think sometimes Melissa used to get in trouble because she would try to figure me out, and she would get, make it so complicated, and I'm like, no, I really meant X. Like, that's it. No, it couldn't have been that easy. It had to have been this. I said, just because you think that way doesn't mean I think that way right? And so God is helping us in doing this by the power of his Holy Spirit. Now I want you to consider what happens here. Half of the virgins are wise, half of the virgins are foolish. This is the same thing we've been developing in this entire sermon series. The the proverb says this, that a foolish person sees trouble coming and they what? Keep going. A wise person sees trouble coming and they adjust accordingly. How did the virgins adjust accordingly? They prepared and made sure they were ready. Ready with what? Ready with oil. So oil is the Holy Spirit. Watch what happens. Those that had oil, the Holy Spirit, were invited into the, into the wedding feast. Those that didn't have it were shut out. So right off from the bat, your relationship with God is marked by a sealing and a filling of the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing of oil in your life. You cannot, the Bible says it clearly, if you do not have the Holy Spirit, you do not know him and you're not a part of him. You have to have the Holy Spirit. You say, but pastor, once saved, always saved. I've already made the decision. That's it. No, no, let's break some things down real quick, okay? Salvation is not just what you did. It's what you did, what you're doing, and what you will do. Let me break it down a little bit closer. It's justification. In that moment, I was justified by faith, right? We were saved by grace through faith. For by grace, we have been saved through faith, not of ourselves, Okay, so I was, but you can't live in the past. You've gotta live in the present. So in the present, you're not being justified anymore. You're being sanctified. You're being transformed into the likeness of your savior so that you will ever, forever bring him glory as you are glorified in his presence. Justification, sanctification, glorification. This is salvation. Too many times we think, well, I, I said the prayer once upon a time. Watch, how are you saved? Through faith, by grace. It is a gift from God. What is faith? I know I'm breaking some stuff down right here, but, but well, watch this. Faith is how we receive the Holy Spirit, through faith. If I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart, and when I believe, it means I turn from my ways and I give myself completely to God, and that is denominated by time. Time, watch. And now abideth. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. In that same chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he's talking about perfect love and he's talking about the perfect one coming. And when the perfect one coming, certain things go away. You know what goes away? Faith. Why does faith go away? Because right now he is the object of my faith and I have to believe him for things I do not see. But when I see him face to face, I don't need faith anymore. My faith has been perfectly realized, to use a philosophical term. I will have realized what I have had faith in. My hope will have been realized, but love will remain forever because he is love. And so this world, in time and space, is where we get to exercise our faith. And so faith, according to this parable, is what? Making sure you spent your time wisely to fill up your lamps with oil, to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. because relate, listen to this. Faith is dominated by time, and so is relationship. Because without time, you don't have a relationship. And without time, real time, you don't have faith. It's just lip service. Because your actions need time. And that's why, that's why James says this, I'll show you my faith by my actions. And so here, the ones that were really, really in relationship took the time to be filled with the spirit of the living God. The oil. You go, I don't understand this. Okay, read with me. Ephesians chapter 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Here's that same concept again. Wise, foolish. Watch what he says. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, that's the way I learned it, but be filled with the spirit of the living God. So this is what he's saying. A foolish person uses their time in a foolish manner to be controlled by worldly things. A wise person understands it's about my relationship with God and gives their time to develop a real anointed relationship that is filled. He's filled as a vessel with the spirit of the living God. And you're ready for that day. Not, I'm going to get ready. I'm going to go buy some oil. I'm going to go get filled up. No, I stay filled up. Amen? <laughs> Why? It's, it's right there. It's right there. And so you say, number one, time is what we're all, it's all about. Because this is what happens. When you spend time with the Spirit of the living God, you enter into relationship. And all sorts of positive things start to happen in your life. But it takes time. I can remember Pastor Melissa and I were in a long-distance relationship. We never had a face-to-face relationship because I either lived in Houston, she lived in Bastrop, or I lived in Waco where I was going to Baylor University and she lived in Bastrop. And so that long-distance relationship required a significant investment of time. You know what I love about the old days? Is you had to really work at it. Today you can just... Shoot off a text no matter where you're at. Back then, I had to be in my dorm room at a certain time at a predetermined, what, date to call her. Some of you try to shoot off a text to Jesus. Some of you schedule those texts ahead of time to go out. I don't want to get in a long conversation. Let me just text him. Let him know what I need. Here's my laundry list, Lord. Here's my shopping list. Would you provide this, this, and that? Oh. No, let me share with you about our relationship. I had to be mindful of it, and I learned something, that if I didn't invest in it, we would start drifting apart and having more and more trouble. Not only that, other people would try to come in. She's a beautiful woman. Other people would be like, hey, where's your boyfriend at? He ain't been around lately. I had to be there. I had to be calling. And what I learned about this is that it was that time that I came to crave. I loved calling her, even if my father-in-law was hard to deal with because he didn't want to pay for the the long-distance bill. And he's like, y'all talking too much. So he brought us back from every day to three days a week. Then he brought us back to two days a week. And man, I got to make those two days count. But you know what I love about today's system? I can call her anytime. I can see her anytime. And our relationship has just grown and grown and grown. It'll be happen the same way if you spend time with the Holy Spirit. You'll begin to grow closer and closer and closer. And, and I just wanted to know all about her. Do you want to know God like that? I can remember calling her and we'd be on the phone and Lewis would be like, y'all need to get off the phone. Your time is up. And I said, I could just sit here all night just to hear you breathe. You remember that? You remember those days? And she goes, I love to just listen to you breathe too. And then Lewis would be on, on the outside knocking on the door going, get off the phone. And then sooner or later I'd hear, uh, I'd hear Melissa say, we would have to get off the phone. I say, okay, well, let's hang up. And she says, you hang up. I said, no, you hang up. <laughs> right? You remember those? No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Let's hang up together. One, two, three. You didn't hang up. You didn't either. And this would go on and on until Lewis came in and just hung up, right? And then it would be done. What if our relationship with the Holy Spirit was like that? Lord, I don't wanna hang up. I just love you so much and I'm enjoying getting to know you so much, God. I love our relationship. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about a triangle denominated by time. Time. Time is what makes this go. Amen? So, as we keep going on this, the Holy Spirit is our gift of grace. He anoints us. And he's the one that gives us life. The Bible talks about this in the book of Acts. The Bible says, but you shall be baptized by the Holy Spirit... And God gave you the same gift he gave the Jewish people. When you believe, you receive the same gift they received. It's right there. That's what they're talking about. They're talking about together. Do the Gentiles receive the spirit of God the way the Hebrews do? And God says, "Yes." And they are my children just as much. And I want to bless them. And so, if you enter into relationship then you've got to remain in it because something I've learned about relationship is you cannot forget. You have to keep building it. And this is exactly what the Bible says in the book of John chapter 15, verse four, it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you'll do great things. Apart from me, you'll have trouble. So do you see what's happening? So many of us say, well, I was saved. I was on fire at one point, but something's happened. And now everything seems to be struggling. You got to get back in God and remain there. Remain under his covering. You say, but pastor, are you sure this is talking about the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Chapter 14, this is notice chapter 15. Chapter 14 is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 15 is telling you when you receive him, make sure you stay filled up. Stay connected to the power source. And then chapter 16 is the Holy Spirit again. Chapter 17 is showing you how to pray in the Spirit as Jesus prayed in the Spirit. It's all about being filled with the Spirit of the living God. See, when you don't remain in spending that time with the Spirit of God, you're basically saying, I don't need you, Lord. I don't need you. Just hang out there. But I don't need your provision. Come on. I'm not trying to make anybody upset, but I'm trying to shake you enough to go, like, wow, that is true. If I don't spend time with the Lord, I'm basically saying, God, I got this. I don't need provision. I don't need protection. I don't need answers. I don't need wisdom. I don't need it. It's a boast against God. You're saying, like, God, I've got it, I've got it taken care of. But instead, he asks us to be humble and say, Lord, I need you. I need you first thing in the morning. I need you throughout my day. I need you to help me in ways that I could not help myself. Please, God. Please, God. Please, God. I need you. And you say, but, but are you sure? Show me in God's word. In the book of James, the Bible says this. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You go, yeah, but that's, what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Go up to the beginning of the verse the beginning of the verse, what does it say? And do you think that the scriptures speak in vain or don't know what they're talking about when they say that the spirit of the living God dwells in us and yearns for you to have a relationship with God? And it's through humility, humility to say, Lord, I do need you. Therefore, I will take the time. I will take the time. I will invest the time. I will dedicate the time. I will spend. Come on now. Come on now. This, This will change everything. But why do I need to keep doing it? Because this is what I've learned. That if I don't keep investing with the Spirit of the living God, I forget and Chris starts coming back stronger than ever. I'm talking about the old me. The me that's selfish and rude and mean and hard to deal with. But if I stay committed to the Holy Spirit, He changes me, changes me, changes me. He changes me because we leak I'm like an old minnow bucket. You ever seen those minnow buckets that have all the holes in them? That's me. I've got I've filled up with the Holy Spirit, but it leaks out. That means I got to get refilled and refilled. Anyone else? You know that conference you went to last year? It's leaked out. It's gone. The message from 3 weeks ago that you were so pumped about, it's leaked out. You got to get refreshed anew. Amen. Because when you enter in relationship, you've got to remain in relationship because ultimately what you're trying to shoot for is rest, that you might rest in that relationship. Listen to what the Bible says right here with me. Come on. The Bible says in the book of Luke, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. What is the promise of the father? The spirit of the living God. And so he says this, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are in Dowed with power from on high. So let's break it down. What does it mean to tarry? It means to wait. To wait intently. What does it mean in the city of Jerusalem? It tells you where. It tells you how. It tells you where. And it tells you when. So watch. How you do it intently. Intently. Where? In Jerusalem. So get on a plane, go to Jerusalem. No. (laughs) Jerusalem means the city of peace. Where is your place of peace? It's different for all of us. But I'm always tickled when people say, I do it in rush hour traffic. And I'm like, (laughs) that's not peaceful. (laughs) You're sitting there weaving in and out of traffic. You jerk! (laughs) Oh Lord, as I was saying... um, That's not peaceful. It's not peaceful when the kids are jumping all over you, mom. When things are going haywire and and, and you put yourself right in the smack in the middle of it. Find a nice, quiet place that you have dedicated to the Lord. That's your Jerusalem where you enter in. And then watch the last part. Until you are endowed with power. No, go back. Until you are endowed with power. What does that mean? It means it's not going to happen by the slap, snap, zap method. Pastor Jimmy Evans said that, and it, it's always stuck with me. Some of us want the pastor to slap us, zap us, or snap at us and have us receive the spirit of the living God. You know, you want to show up and pastor just start, come on. In the name of Jesus, be filled with the... It doesn't happen that way. You know how it happens? It happens by the SAP method. It means it's going to trickle down slowly, and, it's going to, and you've got to rest in it. So it won't happen by you just spending five minutes here and there. Oh, I pray all day long in the midst of my chaotic day. No. Yes, do that. But dedicate specific time. This is our time where we talk on the phone. Just me and you, no interruptions. I sit down and I just let it rest until he enters in. I pray for two hours, Tuesdays, not to impress you, but to impress upon you, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And, and uh, sometimes on Saturdays, and as I'm sitting there praying, 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 sometimes it takes that entire two hours to enter into that place of rest and have God begin to speak. Anyone hear what I'm saying? Listen to what the Bible says. He gives power, power, power. To the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases their strength. Now, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord. Do you get that? You've got to wait. You've got to rest in his presence. You've got to let it marinate and simmer. It's not hurry up, God. Hurry up, God. Hurry up, God. Hurry up, God. No, 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 no. Lordy, I'm here at your good pleasure. I'm the one that needs you. God, I'm just going to take my time and just, no big agenda, just want to get to know you. want to hear your heart. Come on, is anyone hearing me today? And watch what happens when you do. We'll cover that as we go, but I'm going to finish with this. When we do this. We begin to reflect His likeness. So watch. We enter into relationship by the power of the Spirit. That's salvation. But then we have to remain in relationship with Him, don't we? That's sanctification. We're walking with Him. We're learning to rest. As we rest, we learn to hear what His voice sounds like. Because ultimately, He's transforming us to reflect His likeness. You go, what does this have to do with my marriage? Everything. He's the one that gave me the power to change. He's the one that's gonna give you the strength to be patient, to be caring and kind, to look more like Jesus to act more like him, to talk more like him, to walk more like him, to like what he likes, and to put your heart on the things above like he puts his heart on the things above, to let go of this world, to pull off those things that entangle you and, and, and hurt you and keep you from being who you're called to be. That's a hard thing, and it happens by power, and the only way you have power is relationship, remaining, resting, and ultimately learning to reflect his likeness. I'm going to finish this way. So my son and my daughters are the most important thing to me besides Melissa. It's Melissa and I, then my children. And I always said, Lord, I'll pastor for you, but don't don't let me lose my children. Don't ever let the church be more important than my family. Amen? I don't care about having this or that. What does it profit a man if he gains so much, but he loses his children? And so this is why you always see my children super involved in God's house, and I'm always worrying about them, and I'm always taking it to the Lord. That's how you do, you, you bring it to God. So I'm sitting there before the Lord. Lord, I don't feel like they're getting it. I don't feel like they're getting it. Sometimes, God, I just don't understand if they're really receiving what I've been pouring out. Lord, show me, God. Lord, show me. Anyone a whiner before the Lord? I'm a big whiner. I whine to God all the time. But that's, I mean, I think God loves me that way, and he's just like, son, Let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. But that's how your faith grows, right? So I'm like, I just don't understand. Honey's always listening to this this sorry music. And, you know, and, and, and he listens to a lot of Christian music. But every once in a while he'll put on this stuff and I have to give him the big long lecture and I'm tired of it, Lord. I just wish he would learn from me and learned that I made mistakes with some of the things I listened to, and he, and, then, and then God's like, well, what would you like him to listen to? Does it all have to be Christian? I'm like, no, I guess not, but maybe some 90s country, God. <laughs> you know, some 90s country. That, that's close to heavenly music, God. <laughs> and literally, I was little praying that. I'm like, I'd like him to just be a little bit more like me. He can't stand this stuff. So God said, spend time with him. I start spending time with my kids. I'm always spending time with them. Take them to Nashville. I said, I'm going to introduce him to Nashville. You know, good old, good down home country music. And he's sitting there like he can't stand it. And these guys have literally played with Josh Turner, Clint Black. I mean, the who's who. And they're playing and honey goes, man, I like those guys. They're pretty good. I thought maybe it's happening, God maybe it's happening. Then all of a sudden we come home. I forget about Nashville. It's a month ago and I'll never forget. God spoke to me twice in the same day and showed me that my prayers were being answered, that they are beginning to reflect. So this is what happened. I get up and I hear something on a bright and early on a Sunday morning. Could it be my, one of my favorite country singers, one of my favorite songs? And this is what I heard. Where in this picture would you like to be? You can't get more twangy than Tracy Lawrence can. Could you take me back into her, huh? And so I'm crazy looking for my phone, thinking it's my phone playing it. No, it's too loud. It's resonating throughout the house. I'm like, who is playing this? There's a burglar in the house. And he likes country music. And just then my son comes out and he goes, I love this part. Three in a front yard sing. swing. Cotton dress, make it early spring. And I said, son, are you okay? <laughs> he says, dad, I love Tracy Lawrence. When you requested that song over there at Alan Jackson's place and they sang it, I've just been thinking about it and, You know, in fact, I think I want to get me some boots. (laughs) There is a God. (laughs) You say, what does that have to do? No, no, this is what God was saying. You put me first. I'll take care of your family. I'll take care of your family. He's okay. He's listening to you. He's listening to you. Even the things that aren't churchy. He's listening to you. He's receiving from you. Put me first. So then, this is where it ends. Then I go to, um, I'm sitting there starting to make breakfast. Raquel walks in and goes, Dad, you want to make some breakfast? I'll help you with it. You know, she's over visiting. And next thing you know, um, she's like, hey, Dad, I was thinking about something all night. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it's a song you used to play when you would take me back and forth to that private school in Austin. And we'd spend all that time together. I just, I just find myself being drawn to it. I said, what song? And so then, that very same day, I said, what song? And she goes, well, you know, it goes like this. I'm not just country. I'm also Tejano. <laughs> and she's, we start playing this, and I'm like, oh, snap. My little girl has been listening to what I was playing, and her heart is drawn to it. And God's like, I'm showing you loud and clear. Put me first. I'll take care of your children. They're learning from you, not just God's word, all kinds of stuff that I'm teaching them through you. The bad habits, too, so be careful, right? (laughs) But they're reflecting you. This is why the Bible says be imitators of the Lord there in that chapter five. And I've done run out of time. But the Bible says in that same chapter five to redeem the time, it says be imitators of of the Lord. How do you become an imitator if you don't spend time with him? And lastly, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Isn't that what the Bible says in that same chapter five? That same chapter five says redeem the time. Ephesians chapter five. The word redemption means you can, you can get back. You can get back what the enemy has stolen from you or what he's trying to steal from you. This principle is found throughout Scripture. This is why we give 10% of our tithe. Because when you give God your money, he redeems your money. He blesses it. When you give God your time, he blesses it. You say, Pastor, how so? Would you remember the verse I read when he said, you will mount up on wings of eagles? You will run and walk, not be weary or faint? This is how it works. You give God your time, seek ye first the kingdom, and I'll take care of the rest. This is how it works. You're in a rat race. You can continue in your own strength, or you can say, I'm done with this rat race. I'm going to give you my time, Lord. And when you give God your time and he begins to redeem it, he mounts you up on wings of eagles and you fly past those that are in the rat race. You can run past them because you don't get tired. See, prayer takes time, but it also makes time. How does it make time? As you take your communion cup. The way it makes time is there's a pastor by the name of Ji Cho. He was the pastor of the largest church in the world. His church grew to 1.3 million people. 1.3 million people. For years, his church was small. And then he began to pray to the Lord For increase. And the more he prayed, the more it grew. And so Westerners would come to Korea, South Korea, and say, Pastor Cho, what is your secret? And he would invite them to come and just live a week with him, a day with him, whatever it is. Just follow me. So they'd meet there at five in the morning and he began to pray. And he would pray for up to six, seven, eight hours. And when they would finish, The Westerners were like, we haven't spent any time with you. We've just been praying. We have so many questions. He says, okay, shoot. And they would begin to ask him, how did you grow your church? He said, I just showed you. He said, yes, but how can you afford that much time to pray? Do you catch the words? How can you afford that much time to pray? And he said, when God has blessed you with 1.3 million, how can I afford not to pray? And the Westerners would be like, wait a minute, isn't it about meetings and this and that and positioning your church, you know, with clever marketing and, and he says, I don't know about you guys, but I pray and God does. And so you might be here today and you might be thinking, pastor, I, I find it a good message. It was, it was clever and all, but I don't have the time. I, how can I afford that time? How can you afford not to in this crazy world? How can you afford not to give God and wait upon Him so that you could have the strength to mount up on wings of eagles, run and not grow weary, walk and not be faint? That's a question we all have. You say, Pastor, but how will it relate to my marriage? It'll relate to every facet of your life. God brings the change. God brings the change. So, just have a conversation with Him. See you in the Holy Spirit. I know what I want to say. Lord, thank you for your Spirit. Thank you for salvation. God, I want to get to know you better and better and better. I want to take the time to develop that relationship that I may remain, rest, reflect. And ultimately, that you would redeem. That you would give me back what I could never give on my own. You've already done so much, and I definitely trust you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' holy name, we thank you for your body and your blood. And for your spirit. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.